Welcome to Measures of Truth, a His Dark Materials podcast. I'm Caitlin. I'm Alan. I'm Francis. And I'm Anya. And today we're discussing the sixth episode of the second season of His Dark Materials, Malice. This episode was written by Lydia Adetunji, who is an award-winning playwright known for her political plays. Uh, She's been writing more and more TV over the last couple of years, with several projects forthcoming, including an adaptation of The Count of Monte Cristo, with a black count as the main character. Yeah. I'm excited. Which I can't believe I literally just found out like a month ago that Alexander Dumas is black. Yeah, that's a big part of why they're doing that. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that that was clear, that it wasn't like a random book that they picked to race bend. Mm-hmm. It's also just such a great story. Like, please retell it five million more times for me. Absolutely. S- for yeah. me specifically. <laughs> I'm excited to to see what they do with it. It's It's a cool idea. Uh, Jamie Childs returns to direct this episode. He directed the final two episodes of the previous season and the first two of this season. Interesting. So he's an opener and a closer. Yeah. Is he directing next week? Do you know? He he is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this week, uh, when the children of Chitagatsu try to kill Will and Lyra, Serafina saves them. She guides the children through the jungle as Will's Injury refuses to heal. The witches cast a spell to help him. Meanwhile, Lee and Grumman cross over with the Magisterium close behind. After Grumman attacks them with a flock of birds, I mean, and lightning, who wrote this? The Magisterium <laughs> counterattacks with bullets and crash Lee's balloon. Mrs. Coulter and Lord Boreal also cross over, and Mrs. Coulter tames the specters where. <laughs> Sorry, with her. I should have read through this first. With her ability to have no moral conscience, she celebrates by poisoning Lord Boreal. Also, Mary is there. Don't forget about her. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't think Francis wrote it because he spelled Spectre the American way unless he was trying to throw us off. No, I did it. I did not write this. Yeah, I wrote it. <laughs> but also, in the books, I think Spectres are spelt the American way and it always throws me off. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. No, sorry, just confirmed uh, in my copy of The Sudden Life that I bought in England, it is spelled the British way. Interesting. Oh, well, that's good. In the audiobook, Philip Pullman says it the British way. <laughs> Spectres. Yeah. Definitely had a mouthful of tea. Okay. <laughs> it's a miracle that tea wasn't all over my microphone. I was going to say, <laughs> keyboard. had a mouthful of tea. Yeah. 
No I did literally <laughs> spit an entire mouthful of tea all over my legs the other day. I can't remember uh. who was watching. Maybe Jeez. Dairy Girls or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dairy Girls. That's just impressive. Yeah. Wow. All right. So general <laughs> feelings about this episode. I'm going to start because I really like this episode. The evil bitch is back and I have missed her. And also she's dressed up for the Jungle Cruise and it's yeah. fucking fabulous. Like It's so good. Yes. I love the ascot thing going on. It's so it, and she's got like the headband. I love it so her outfit is so good. Would it have been better with a fascinator? What it I don't know what that is. What is that? A fascinator is a tiny little sort of hat headpiece thing that you pin to your hair oh. when you're going to the I, uh ascot races. I feel like she was going for I can trek through the jungle, and Fascinator is more like, yeah. I'm getting drunk on a patio. Now, I understand she ends up getting drunk on a patio, <laughs> but I don't think that's what she was going for in her outfit, you know? Yeah. All I'm saying is that a Fascinator with hidden knives would be a very mm. practical Fascinator. Ooh. You are yeah. correct. And I I am fully of the opinion that everywhere in Miss Coulter's clothing, there's at least two or three weapons. <laughs> all right how did everybody else feel uh the episode like i don't know like it kind of doesn't gel for me i don't know how to say this without i've been trying to think of like what am i going to say in my general feelings since i watched the episode because like i haven't been able to stop thinking about the episode but for me i always take that as a sign of like there's something wrong with the story. Like those are always the stories I'm the most interested in when a story is really well told and like great. I barely think about it. I just like, I experienced the story and then I'm like, that was good. And this one, I can't put it down because there's like some part of me that wants to fix things, but I don't think it's bad. I think what it is is that it's teetering on being like really great. And uh, I can't figure out how to fix that problem. But there are so many moments that I thought were fabulous. I just wish that it somehow plugged into everything better. I don't know another way to say it. Alan, I get what you're saying. Like, this is one of those episodes where I think I loved every moment when it was happening. Yeah. But for some reason, like the store the like different threads the different storylines didn't quite come together it felt very much like we're just kind of moving each of these individual storylines along and they all you know worked really well and were you know fun and and beautiful to watch um but aside from the mrs coulter boreal storyline it didn't really feel like it was building to something, if that makes sense. Or it's building to the next episode, you know? Yeah, it's just like a middle chapter. Yeah, yeah. I was, I feel like this yeah. this episode and probably a chunk of next episode is them adapting the chapters that we liked the least mm -hmm. from the book. Mm -hmm. Like our least favorite bits from the book that we're all just kind of like, and we're walking. Oh, and maybe we're going to walk some more. Oh, yeah. still bleeding, still at walking. <laughs> at least you know? it didn't go into depth about like them getting supplies from all the different villages. And yes. So like that might be the problem, that the, the adaptation material right here is just kind of blah, and they're trying to make it less blah. Mm-hmm. 
And I think yeah. they do such a good job with that that I'm like, wow, there are like moments in this where I'm like, this is amazing. Like, it's so good when they're sitting on the cliff, like Will and Lyra, you know, being mm-hmm. intimate with each other or, you know, and then that's immediately contrasted with, you know, Boreal and Coulter sharing wine and how that's like opposite of it. And, you know, of course, the the evil specters and the good angels, like there's so many good moments in the episode. It's just they, it's just like puzzle pieces not quite fitting together. And I want to get out a hammer and be like, fit together on this puzzle. Yeah, it, it's really good, though. This explains a lot about why your jigsaws are all broken. Yeah, <laughs> my my table's very lumpy. <laughs> the hammer next next to it is uh, well used. Well used. Um, yeah, my general feelings were overall pretty similar. Like, I did love it. I thought it was a good episode, but the tone jumped around a little bit. There was a little bit of sort of, hey, this is a really lovely feelsy bit. Oh, straight out murder. <laughs> See, I was like, oh, this is an awkward, stupid feelsy bit. Ooh, murder. Oh, I, mean, <laughs> I- I like feels. Feels are nice. I like some feels. I just like I like a lot of feels. I just didn't that bit didn't gel with me. Sorry, we can talk about that later. Carry on. Look, you need to you need to maintain your reputation as, as stone cold <laughs> ice cream. Stone cold ice one caster. who's like, oh my god, Will and Lyra are speaking. I love it. <laughs> so stone cold. Well, okay, speaking of the hug, I thought the hug was fucking adorable. And I really liked that it actually humanized the children after the kind of like attack scene. Oh, the they hug with felt... uh, Mary and the kids. Yes. yes. I was like, it what made them feel hug vulnerable. are you talking about? <laughs> the famous hug, don't you know? <laughs> it's no good for you at all. It's full of sugar. I won't tell your parents. I haven't got parents. The spectres got him. The spectres? How come they're not getting you, miss? Can you not even see them? And we can't see him either, but... Paula. Hi. So... You're alone, then? The other adults used to look after us, but then they got scared, ran up to the hills. To the mountain. Now the other kids have gone too. You're not from this world, are you? Like that Lyra girl. Lyra? You've seen Lyra? I don't like her. She did something bad to Tullio. We were trying to kill her, but she escaped. Was that wrong? Yes. Everything's wrong here, miss. You'll learn that soon enough. Where's Lyra gone? She's with the witch. Miss, can I have a hug? Yeah. Can you stay for a bit? Look after us. The spectres aren't getting you. You don't have to go like the others. You can make us have baths and tell us what to do and all that. been sent here to do something important. We'll be fine. We've got each other. Go on, Paula. 
Wait. You shouldn't be here alone. Come with me. I'll bring you to your adults. No, I did. I really enjoyed it. I thought it actually it was a really good addition where some of the additions overall have been a little bit questionable. So, yeah, loved it. I liked how that hooked back up with her giving the candy bars to the kids at her house. And she was like, it's loaded with sugar. Like, here's something, you know, like, I promise it's not good for you. She she says almost the same line. She's kind of torn, which is really good. She wants to help them, but she knows that she has to get on with it. I love, too, that, like, she's offering them what she thinks kids from her world would want to hear. Exactly. And it doesn't really work in the sense that, like, the kids in Chigatsa have a completely different existence and, like, they don't care about how much sugar it has or how bad it is for them. Like, they just want... (laughs) any adult human to like stick around and comfort them and like tell them what to do like it's the opposite right like they don't want to break the rules they want rules they like are asking her to yell at them um Mm -hmm. and that's just like a super heartbreaking contrast i would have liked that bit a lot more if um well, just, I guess I'm going to jump ahead here a bit, because my least favorite bit in the episode was the kids attacking and Will and Lyra at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if they had made that more vicious, like more in line with how it was in the book, this scene with them talking to Mary would have been so much more interesting. But I because they, that. But yeah, so that's why I guess it didn't really land with me. I really like that part, too, because it hooks up with what I was uh, talking about before when she comes to Will and when Angelica comes to Will and is like, well, you know, we could hang out together. I th- I feel like this is part of that where she's just trying to find somebody to help her feel safe. And then Mary's like, yeah, listen, I got angel business. And both times Angelica's like, yeah, I don't need you. I never needed you. And I was never vulnerable and asking for help. Like, I, I think that actress, like, plays it perfectly. She has, like, interiority, and I, I like that, which is probably mostly the actress. Uh, yeah, my favorite bit was um, Will and Lyra talking about trusting each other and uh, the other kids that have, you know, been, have had attacked Will's mom. And it was a scene that I liked in the book, and I think they did, they did a pretty good job with it here. I've never seen children act like that before. I have. My mom, every now and again, she'd start thinking things that weren't true. Doing stuff that didn't make sense. Like, touching the railings in the park, or counting the bricks on the wall. Stuff like that. These boys found out. They were mean. For no reason. They were worse than Angelica. When I was younger, I used to pretend that my dad was someplace abroad. And that one day I'd go get him. And he'd have the answer to everything. And I could go to school, have friends. But the older I got... The more you stopped believing that. Yeah. I couldn't trust anyone. Did 
के लिए मैं मैं या या आई लव हाउ व्हेन दे व्हेन लायरा कर्ल्स अप टू गो टू स्लीप पेंटोलाइमन लाइज डाउन नेक्स्ट टू विल इंस्टेड ऑफ हर इट्स सो गुड ओह आई डिडंट नोटिस दैट या या आई कंप्लीटली मिस दैट वन um my favorite part uh well first i'll give an honorable mention for lyra talking to serafina i think that was like one of my favorite witch parts so far i think they really made something that was kind of dull in the book more interesting um and like more character driven um i'd completely forgotten that lyra and serafina hadn't actually met that like up until right. this point <laughs> Um Lyra had picked out her cloud pine when she was talking um to like the witch ambassador Lancelius. Lancelius. Yeah, but it's an important moment where like these two big characters are meeting each other for the first time. I think uh Lyra's personality comes out really well in that moment and and Daphne Keen just totally nails it. Always wanted to meet the witch. My father gave me a book about witches. They have pictures in it. They all had raven hair. I find those books irritating. Azrael knows what a witch looks like. Don't touch that flower. I want to know everything. What can you do? What can I do? I know you can fly, obviously, and you can kill pretty easily. And the cold doesn't affect you. And you can hear whispers on the wind. Are we safe? Is Will safe? His wound is deep. But he'll get better. Right now that we're with you, he'll be better. We will do what we can here, but then we must travel to our lands. Our lands. The flora is more powerful in our world. Taking us home. I pledge to keep you safe, Lyra. We'll do so at home. place i know a place i can hide you um yeah and then but my actual favorite part is of course mrs colter and boreal that whole scene when they're in chigatsa all of it is just so good when like uh boreal locks himself in the thing and and Mrs. Coulter taming the specters and the way that she poisons him well the way that she distracts him in order to poison him because in that scene you can see that like he is a little bit suspicious when she comes back with a different bottle of wine but then she manages to just like make it so he doesn't care with that kiss Marisa with that ability we can go wherever we please in the city yes i can find lyra and you can finally find the boy and the knife is yours powers you understand it has a power that could be useful for both of us and i would like an equal to share it all with you think me your equal in every way Then let's drink to that. <laughs> <laughs> Do 
a subtle knife of Chittagasi. Not even the makers know what it can do. No one is invulnerable to it. Matter. Air. Go on. Now this place, the window, all the things you've kept from me, it would have been so much easier if you told me about Lyra when you first had her. You did so much for me, don't think I don't know that. But your ambitions were small, they would have always ended here. Oriel, I don't need you. You would only hold me back. You are not, nor have you ever been my equal. <laughs> don't fight it, don't fight it. Everything that Ruth Wilson does as Boreal is dying and, and Aryan Bakari as he is dying, like it, oh, it's all just like so good. Um, and yeah, like when Mrs. Coulter is dominating the specters, you can just like see it on her face, how she's like figuring it out and like all of the discomfort that comes through the golden monkey as she's like destroying her humanity or hiding it. You know, like mm -hmm. the CGI team did such an amazing job um, with the golden monkey in that scene. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's my favorite part, too, is like in the CGI and the specters being in full daylight. You know, that's risky, I think. And it's I think it's pulled off beautifully. Her acting is is a big part of what sells that moment. And I think it's iconic, like when they do the reverse shot of her turning around and looking back at Boreal and all of the specters are swirling around her. Like yes. that is, it's like, whoa, that so is like good. a poster. Yeah. I, mm -hmm. I, when I was watching that, I was like, oh, she's a superhero now. Yeah. You know, like that was her, that was her superhero scene. Super villain. Like, she, yeah, I guess. Sure. <laughs> Anti-hero. Yeah. <laughs> like so the thing is, it was so cool, but I still had the same problem that I had with it in the book, mm -hmm. which was the, it makes no sense at all. <laughs> to be fair, it makes a little more sense than it did in the book. Yeah, I think they've been building for it. That's not really a high bar. No, it's not. Yeah. The... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. In the book, there was nothing. Well, I think we've also, we've been making assumptions about like, okay, she can go really far from her demon and witches can do that. So maybe it has something to do with the witch ritual, but maybe not. Maybe this is why she can do that. You know, like she has some kind of control over her connection to the demon. And that is she's like able to suppress something that has to do with the dust in some negative capacity that we don't understand. 
and lets her do this. Maybe, but I I feel like we're never going to get a full explanation. Yeah. About her, the demon, about everything. You know, I think it... And I don't necessarily mind that. I kind of like the idea of Mrs. Coulter always being a bit of a mystery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't feel like cheated when it happened. I felt like it was building on what it had already given us. And this... That was a great moment. It was definitely... Fabulous. I really like that this that that moment happens in this episode where where we also get the angel scene on the beach with uh, Mary. She's like sitting on a boat and then there's kind of like these translucent wings behind her kind of like protecting her with the sunlight coming through them Mm -hmm. just briefly. And uh, it was so beautiful, like just image wise. And those two things together, I think, really says like what is good and what is evil in this story, like literally. That's so interesting, though, because, of course, the angels protecting Mary are not... Quote, unquote, evil. Yeah. Yeah. Are not... Yeah. Anyway, so that's interesting. I also loved that scene where you... Because, A, it did look really good. Like, it it was just well done, and it was very pretty. And and with the juxtaposition of, of Mrs. Coulter, it does even more to set those two up as just really good foils of each other without yeah. having to be in scenes together, mm-hmm. which I yeah. like. But also, it it also just really quickly says, this is why the specters aren't touching her. Explanation done. Moving on. Right. Which is just yeah. good writing. And yep. I always appreciate good writing. It's just so rare. Yeah. I don't think we get any of that awkward exposition in this episode. <laughs> I will say there was a quick moment at the beginning where the witches see the angels and they're like, oh, we haven't seen angels for thousands of years. And last time there was a war. And it's like, why do you know this? What is happening? <laughs> like, I get that this was for our benefit, but this is awkward. Least favorite? Mine was the hug that we talked about. Not... I, I will say you talking about it has made me think a bit more fondly about it. I guess I just, I didn't feel like it was earned. Yeah. Like I, earned I, by the children or earned by Mary? <laughs> sorry, earned by the writing. <laughs> okay. I, I, I don't, like, I'm not saying they didn't deserve a hug. I'm saying it was supposed to be this, like, emotional moment that I just don't think landed because... I, we didn't know those kids enough. This was the first bit with them showing anything like what they wanted was an adult, you know, yeah. to take care of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also, we, I don't know. It was kind of like getting the story and the payoff all in one sentence. And it just mm-hmm. didn't, it just didn't land for me. That's all. I see. I'm sorry, miss. Stop right there. Um, how many family members have you lost to the Spectres? Oh, four. Nope, sorry. No hug for you. Uh, we have at least six required now. Yeah, pretty high demand. <laughs> oh I'm not God. saying the kids didn't deserve a hug, okay? That's what you said, and that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> you delivering that in, like, a very British accent, I feel like you... I was missing. All it was missing was you telling them to have a stiff upper lip, please. Speaking of children sucking, um, <laughs> the child attack was crap. Like yeah. I literally, in my notes, I wrote initially, "Hey, this looks really good," and then never mind because <laughs> it wasn't like it was winding up to to be like a cool one. Obviously, a little bit of a change from um, the books in that there wasn't the Belvedere. 
Um, they were just going on the top of the building, which that was fine. I could deal with that. And then there was no fighting, no no threat. These children lined up in front of Will and Lyra. They exchanged pleasantries briefly, and then a witch came out of the fucking sky. Yeah, <laughs> like it's fine, but it's not exactly impactful as a as a scene. <laughs> just it just missed all the things which made that interesting, and suddenly these children don't feel like a threat anymore. The 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 grand total of all the weapons they had was one stick wielded by a small blonde child. Yeah. Who then promptly asked someone for a hug. Like there's no fucking threat there. So what I'm hearing is you wanted more child murder. Yes. I mean, I feel that's a given. Yeah. Do you not want more child murder? <laughs> I honestly I thought the adaptive change was fine. Like I no, I understand why you were disappointed because that scene in the book is like really exciting and full of menace and it feels Kill like more a climax. Children. Um <laughs> Yeah. But I I don't know. I think it worked here specifically because we're supposed to humanize the children later with Mary and when they're banging on the doors and, you know, trying to get in, that still felt very menacing from Lyra and Will's perspective. And I feel like that kind of accomplished the general idea of what needed to get done. And then they brought in the witch just to make it, like, a lot faster and cleaner. I get it. I get it. And, like, you're not wrong. But to me, it felt like a PG-13 version of that scene in Pirates of the Caribbean where they storm the town and then uh, they eventually find whatever her name is. Kira Knightley, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in a closet. Hello, Poppet. Yeah. Like, that, that's the sort of menace we should have had. And it just wasn't there. I'll stop being annoyed about not enough child murdering. It's just, it's a sign of the times, isn't it? Really, society is truly degrading when we don't get enough child murdering in our media. I don't, What's the I don't world know to? how I feel about you saying that in the middle of a pandemic where, like, <laughs> children... Well, if we can't make in-portaste no. jokes about shit, what, then we've truly lost to the disease. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> the disease is one. Yeah. One of the other things in that scene, though, is that it does go to show about how children are actually just people right? and can still like get caught up in a mob. And, yeah. and, and I think children being, you know, people is one of the big themes uh, of these books. Mm. So I don't know. It's interesting, but they still tried to have the conversation about it, you know, about children yeah. behaving that way. So I guess it got the point across. I don't know. I, it wasn't my favorite though. I think it could have been more intense. I agree with all that. Um, I had a nitpick about Lee. His beautiful face is beautiful in this, and it kind of bothers me. Like in a lot of shows, physical trauma evaporates really quickly because we want to see the actors' beautiful faces. Uh, But that kind of like can be problematic when it comes to like, well, it's just physical violence. I mean, 
you'll get over it. I don't know. It's weird that Will is continuing to heal and that Lee's eye was completely swollen shut when he saw Mrs. Coulter. And now he's like 100% fine. And I like the only thing I can chalk it up to in my head canon is that that bacon sandwich was magical and it healed him. But I wish there was an in-text reason for him. You don't think uh, Joe Perry kissed all his injuries away? I would be fine with that. Just show me it. Like, like literally show me it. So what you're saying is you want to see them making out? Yes. Yes. Don't we all? Maybe passing through the threshold or something gave him magical healing. Stop. (laughs) What are you talking about? Will's been through like 40 portals and he's still... He's still falling apart. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I would believe that Jopari has like healed him. I just want to. I just want him to be like, you know, hey, I have to look at you, and you, man, you look bad. Or like, I would like for you to be able to see your instruments in order to fly this balloon. Sure. <laughs> or that reason. <laughs> um, we don't have any notes in Prometics, so on to. Religion. Religion. Yeah. Um, I don't have much for religion. I have another coffee. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do think this stuff with Mrs. Coulter, like repressing her humanity is really interesting. And it reminds me of a pet theory of mine uh, that is definitely not a real academic idea that I've ever read anywhere, but is a connection that I've always felt strongly about. So I'll lay it out here and then um, people can tell me that I'm wrong in our emails. Contact at hologrammedia.com. Basically, like Mrs. Coulter lays out this idea that what makes us human can be repressed. And I think that the text has this as an idea, too, that like our humanity is kind of modular or or is like made up of multiple components, you know, that come together like mind, spirit, body kind of connection that makes us totally human and we've seen that with you know characters who have been zombified or who have been uh the children who have been cut you know like billy costa who we would say well he is a human boy but like he's not totally there right he's not a full human being when he's wandering out in the tundra and not a way to like subtract from his human dignity but in terms of like, he's not a total person, right? So this idea of like, not being fully human is like an ancient idea. And I think that it's plugged into how Abrahamic religions work in an interesting way that like expresses itself in our modern society. And like, it's it's the source of a lot of problematic stuff, I think, in our society. And I think that the show and the story are like directly addressing that. So Just to lay out the connection that I see here, um, probably a lot of people have had to read at some point the Epic of Gilgamesh. Have you guys heard of this story? Mm -hmm. Uh, I haven't read it, but I vaguely know it. Yeah, 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 it's it's, uh, Indian epic. It's Mesopotamia. From From Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia. Okay, very old. It is, as far as we know, the oldest written story that we've ever found and translated. So th- this is like written stories. So we there are stories that we know are definitely older because they came from like, this is an epic poem. And then later it got written down. 
but like this is the oldest written story that we've ever been able to find and translate. And so that's part of why it's really famous. Embedded in the story is like a lot of religious ideas that come out of Mesopotamia, which is uh, the Fertile Crescent and is important to the history of like the ancient Hebrews and the Abrahamic tradition that, you know, eventually becomes Christianity. The story of the Epic of Gilgamesh is like this King Gilgamesh is uh, a very powerful individual who's been blessed by the gods and He's a real problem for the people that he's ruling over. He's like a king and uh, he has nothing to conquer and he has nothing to do. And so he's just going around like to all of the strongest people in the town and like, hey, you want to fight? You want to box? Come on. You want to like wrestle? Uh, Or he's like, you know, guys are out in the field farming and he's going to their wives being like, hey, do you want to wrestle? You know what I'm saying? And it's like causing problems. And so people <laughs> pray to the gods and they're like, please, like, could we have a war or something? So this guy has something to do. And so the gods create the equal of Gilgamesh, who is named Enkidu. And but the catch is that Enkidu is created like whole cloth human being, but he's created out in the wilderness among the animals. And so he has no contact with human beings And he, even though he's a human being, he lives like an animal. He like runs around on all fours. He eats the grass. He drinks from rivers. So the important idea that you can see right away right there is that humanness is not necessarily about our bodies. It's about what we do, right? Because Gilgamesh's behavior is a really big problem. But also Enkidu is not fully human because he's not behaving like a person. So The spiritual leader of the place is uh, a priestess, the high priestess of Ishtar named Shamhat. Part of uh, Ishtar's powers have to do with fertility of the land, but also sexual fertility. And so as the high priestess, she goes out and finds Enkidu and has sex with him. This sex that she has with him is not about like losing his virginity or mastering him in some way through sexual power. It's to teach him about reciprocity, to not rut like an animal and just get it over with, but to care about your partner's pleasure. And after that, she also teaches him, like she brings him to the nearby farmers and like teaches him to sit at the table and have like table manners and not eat like an animal where you're just like, you know, and it's disgusting for everybody else to see like the food falling out of your mouth and chewing with your mouth closed and not like tearing into things and not just pouring the drink down your throat, but like, you know, eating in a way that's not disgusting, but has empathy for everyone around you. Because for the Mesopotamians, that is the source of your humanity is this social empathy this ability to think about how other people feel in your presence. That's the problem with Gilgamesh, that he's being selfish. And it's the thing that makes Enkidu human is when he learns to do this. Because after all of this happens and he learns to eat bread and have dinner at the table and to care about his sexual partner's pleasure, the animals are scared of him. And he can't run as fast as the wild animals If he tries to eat the grass like he used to from the field, it makes him sick. 
So he becomes a human being by caring about the experience of the community around him. The idea of that in Mesopotamia is that children are not fully human. They have to learn to become human beings, right? Like anytime you've been around a child, they're like very emotional. They're very selfish. They're very focused on their own needs and they don't, they're not worried about other people. Sure. Very different, right? (laughs) (laughs) And so, uh, man, imagine if you had a president like that. (laughs) That's kind of their problem, right? (laughs) They have a Gilgamesh uh, problem. I mean, I'm not really going to get into it, but like what solves the Gilgamesh problem is that Enkidu shows up and he is so, he's like his equal, you know, in, in every way, physically, mentally, and basically like they try to beat each other up and then they're like, oh, you're, you're my bestie. And when it it talks about them, like wrestling, like we all know what, what they mean and be like, oh, actually, I don't have to fool around with other people's wives anymore because I've got you, buddy. And then everything's hmm. fine after that. But like the point in the story that I'm I'm pointing to is that like humanity is not intrinsic. Like it's not just a part of you. It's something that you have to learn and come to. And that when that interacts with the Abrahamic religions, what that means is like there's there's a thing about self-control there, right? That you can't just like sit down at a table and eat all the food. Maybe you want to eat all the food at the table, but there's other people there. And you have to think about their experience of the meal. You can't be a selfish jerk. And so you have to have like self-control to be a part of the community. And the way that that gets folded into the Abrahamic traditions is less about like this kind of social empathy and more about like repression of your own desires. And that gets twisted by the time that it comes into Christianity to be like more about social control over people, right? Like a a purity of virginity and is not about like communal harmony. It's about like social control through the institution. But its root comes from like this idea of self-control being what makes you human. So wait, are you saying that babies aren't humans? I'm saying that Mesopotamians definitely thought that. But I think that when you look at it from the Christian tradition idea of like the baby has nothing that it needs to repress, right? Mm. Like all it's its innocence like makes it pure. All right. And how does this relate back to our favorite evil? Lady? Yeah. So I feel like Mrs. Coulter does both of these things simultaneously. I think this is part of what makes her character feel especially evil to us because on the one hand, she represses her social empathy you know, in terms of like, I will gather people's children together and then murder them as I find a way to make everybody like me. I mean, that's that's not what was happening. Carry on. Carry on. You don't think that's what was happening? I think I don't, like I don't think she was murdering them. Eh? Well, like she was, but I don't think she was thinking of it that way <laughs> as and, a byproduct. Yeah. yeah. And B, I don't think she wanted to make them like her. Uh, but moving on, that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. So she totally lacks social empathy, but then she also represses her own self. This is 
the whole thing about her and the monkey, right? Their relationship that's been explored since the beginning is that she hates that monkey, which is a part of herself. And so she's like repressing herself in a very toxic way that lines up with repressing yourself in the Christian Abrahamic tradition. But she's also like has no social empathy. And so she's just all around very evil, I think. The thing is, though, when she is repressing her humanity on purpose, I think that's when she's most what the magisterium would like. Yes. I think that's like the point, right? To to show how bad the magisterium is. Like this is part of what makes it feel evil to us, right? Yeah. They're trying to show how an organization that is obsessed with good and evil can itself be just like flip those definitions. Like how does that happen? Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, right? I don't I mean, I don't know. I'm right now I'm I'm realizing, like, I don't know how I think the magisterium even tries to define good and evil. I mean, I think it's just obedience, you know, to <laughs> is is authority. good. Yeah, obedience to authority is good and disobedience is bad. I think the, the other interesting thing there, just quickly, is that it brings up a, a moral absolutism versus relativism idea. You know, the magisterium saying, hey, this is wrong or this is good. We are good. And in fact, you can look at the things they're going and say, actually, I don't think that's good. But by their definition of what is good, it is good. Right. So it turns out that we don't actually all have the same definitions of what is good and what is not. Mm-hmm. And ergo, there is not necessarily, well, I would, I would contend certainly, there is not necessarily a given good or evil. There is only what you personally find good or evil. So this is definitely a pet idea of mine. I definitely see a connection between ancient Mesopotamian, like the idea of self-control is virtue, but that self-control is like aimed at community. And then it gets, it gets like flipped by the time we get to European Christianity to where repression is what's good. And what's bad is like all the things that were good in Mesopotamia, like having pleasurable sex you know, where everybody involved is like, yeah, I had a good time and like eating really good food together and like hanging out and having big parties. The whole idea of of all their society and religion is to like foster that kind of community where everybody enjoys themselves. And then by the time you get to like the end of European Christianity, it's like nobody better be having a good time and y'all better be following the rules. <laughs> And I don't know, I, I see that in Mrs. Coulter. Like, she literally has a magical ability. I don't know if magical is the right word, but this is a fantasy. She has a magical ability to, like, repress her humanity. So her, her humanity is modular in some sense, and she has control over it, which gives her access to these specter creatures. Um, and so I was like, oh, it's like my Epic of Gilgamesh idea. So there you go. I mean, I would contend she doesn't have much to suppress. <laughs> She's been working on it for a long time. Give her credit. <laughs> yeah, that's no. there's no trauma there at all. No. Nothing needs unpacking with a professional there. It's, it's weird. Um, I feel like she feels liberated after that experience. Like she's been feeling conflicted this season. Yeah. And then after that, she's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I could just kill you. And I don't feel bad about it. <laughs> 
<laughs> She's like, hey, tell you what, being evil, pretty good for the mental health yeah. right now. I'm quite enjoying I'm just doing this for me. <laughs> right? I'm just doing the things I need to right now. <laughs> I'm finding myself in the wild. I feel like earlier in the season, possibly in a spoiler section, uh, Alan talked about how he was pretty sure that she was going to kill Boreal because he didn't get her right away when he had Lyra. Mm, right. And that is yeah. kind of what happened. Good yeah, shout. That, sh- that exactly she was like, happened. well, fuck you, because you didn't, you didn't do what I wanted. You did what I wanted, just not quick enough. <laughs> Maybe Wait. next time. Oh, Later. no. Forget that. <laughs> <laughs> and she likes it. That's, a, that's the other bit. She really enjoys that she has that power. She really rubs it in as he's dying that, hey, you're never my equal. Ugh. You could never have been so my good. equal. Mm-hmm. You are nothing. Just accept it and die. I was like, fuck. <laughs> All right. Did we have anything else we wanted to discuss? You first. Me? Well, yours are the first ones here. That's just because I was the first in the dock today. You did this to yourself. rarely happens. <laughs> All right. I guess the number one thing that I did want to talk about is that I am glad we got more Mary this season because in the book, The Sudden Life, she goes through the window and then we don't see her again until the third book. So Yeah, that was a question. I am glad that we got some of her in Shiragatsi and that they they used it for some good character moments that landed for some of us more than others. And, um, (laughs) And then we got that bit with the angel wings. That was that was really good. Yeah, I can see how after spending all of that money and time making such an amazing set that they were like, we need to use this more. Yeah. <laughs> and especially when like, you know, it's going to be a lot more visually evocative than a tent in the middle of a forest after they hiked a long time to get there. Like, we don't want to see that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple other things I want. I did once again want to bring up. Miss Calder's wonderful fucking outfit. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Whoever was like, yes, she's employed by Disneyland, but in a good way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so good. I would get on that Jungle Cruise ride. Um, uh, so one thing that they did do that, of course, ticked off my, if we need to set up a lab, um, and experiment on people is Joe Perry's demon flies over him and drops a feather. And then he has it in his hand and it's like a real feather. Can somebody mm-hmm. else touch that mm-hmm. feather without the taboo? Is is that feather made of dust? What what oh. what was that his demon or was that a bird? Like why did they yeah. put that in? Just to plague I me forever. I didn't even think about that. Please but yeah, because like demons don't eat. Yeah. Mm. So they have physical form do they shed or molt well apparently <laughs> but yeah but but ah uh, like could could lee have picked up that feather without there being any problems you know socially wise could, w- would, put, put it the other way around if you lose a hair can someone else's demon pick up that hair i'd say of course they can no I, 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 I like I see what you mean that that taboo feels odd and inconsistent, but also like it's right. It's okay, but sure, waste. if that's what we're agreeing, 
Um, sure, but <laughs> sorry. S- why wouldn't it have just like poofed away? Because it's no longer a part. Is the feather still a part of him? Because right. he's just Maybe. like a spirit being. But <sighs> I need to know more. And it seems like the point of that feather is like some kind of magical focus that allows him to like command yeah. the birds. That's how I took it. He's like, I have a connection. The, this is a feather. They're covered in feathers. Go attack. Like there was like a <laughs> mental alchemical connection to me. I love the transitive property there. You're yeah. covered in feathers. I'm covered in feathers, but basically <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also love the idea that this this brings up. You know, you're, you're getting really excited. Your demon's about to settle. You're like, what's it going to settle into? And it settles into a long-haired cat, which molts regularly. <laughs> like, oh my god. I hate this. <laughs> and from, from what we've seen, Lyra's world does not yet have vacuums. So... <laughs> Yeah, or or if they don't molt, then if you give your long-haired cat demon a haircut, is it just a naked cat for the rest of its life? What the? The rest of what? your life? That would be really funny. Would all your hair fall off? But if, if like, <laughs> Sophonax coughs up a hairball, does the hairball continue to exist? <laughs> yeah, these are good questions. I like that. <laughs> this feels like one of those ridiculous uh well not even ridiculous just the, the classic philosophical experiments if a uh if a tree falls in the wood and uh, yeah, no one's yeah. had to hear yeah. it you know in the same manner if, if a, a uh if a imaginary cat vomited. coughs up a yeah. hairball <laughs> but doesn't have to eat <laughs> is it disgusting i will in general i loved all the stuff between lee and joe perry joe perry whatever john perry uh-huh. will's dad what? um <laughs> <laughs> yeah grooming um so but i really really loved like my favorite bit was when uh lee was all can you magic up some fire and he got all intense <laughs> and then pulled out the matches so good <laughs> that was fabulous. that actor is so good as well yeah. <laughs> anyway you're right i should sleep if only i could i'll tell you what why don't we make some coffee instead thank you Let me help. Yeah, can you magic us up some fire? One moment. Right. I found the whole reveal of who and what Lyra is without actually saying the word Eve was really interesting and again it was like how they changed what the name of the knife means so that they weren't quite you know Mm -hmm, fully mm -hmm. saying we're gonna kill god and we're gonna have eve and like it just seems strange choices where they're trying to not quite be as religious as the books but it's not working I, Mm -hmm. i don't know it's weird but I did like that scene. It was really well done. Before Asriel opened the hole in the sky, Mrs. Coulter came to see me. There was something she wanted me to ask. What was the question? Who is Lyra Balakwa? And? I've discovered the girl has another name. 
The witches know it from a prophecy. It's heresy beyond doubt. You are not a heretic. Repeat what you have learned and waste me no more time. I rather fear you have become cardinal at the most burdensome of times. Tell me what you know. The name is her destiny. It foretells she will be in the position of the one who brought about our downfall. Mother of us all, cause of all sin. What is the child's name? The alethiometer does not forecast. If it comes about that she is tempted by the serpent, then it is likely she will fall, then dust and sin will triumph. The name, Frau Pavel. Speak the name. Oh, and we did see, like, the evil, well, the magisterium people were all sitting around, and some of them had mammal uh, demons, which we actually don't see too often. There was a squirrel and a fox. And not, like, more um, reptilians and spiders and stuff, so. I mean, squirrels are pretty evil. I bet you that squirrel guy doesn't fit in very well. <laughs> Him and the fox guy are friends. Yeah. <laughs> and the rest of the room, all the spiders are on that side of the room. <laughs> so we found out information that we have a mole in the magisterium. I don't know who it is. <laughs> this guy with his, like, cuddly mongoose sitting there in the yeah. background. Like, oh, no, no, not me. <laughs> And then when Seraphita's talking to Will, which I like that they put that in and, and that those two, you know, talk to each other and had a bit of a connection. And, and they talk about how, um, you know, there's a boy in the prophecy, too. And then Seraphita says, I don't know if you're that boy. And it's just like, there's there's literally no other options. Like, <laughs> of course he's that boy. He th- well, there was another option, but... I guess. Not anymore. I guess. But right now, there's literally Lyra and this one boy. Even the other kids in the city, they those were all girls. Well, That's true. <laughs> I don't even remember seeing any boys on the roof there. Yeah. And then just everything, absolutely everything in Chitagatze with, with Boreal and Coulter is so good. Like, mm-hmm. Boreal's whole demeanor when he's nervous and walking around. And like we were just talking about when she's telling him to just relax and let it happen so okay i have a (laughs) question for you guys i think at first glance it's a little bit uh you could read that scene as like she killed him because he thought he was equal to her and that like she found that so insulting that she just had to murder him no she had but she had the poison before that like yeah, and I guess, and, you know, her line about how this is where your journey always would have ended. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because she says, like, like, you're holding, you would hold me back. You would only yeah. hold me back. I mean, to a certain extent, I kind of feel for Lord Boreal, right? Because, like, you know, he just wanted to, like, use his, you know, whatever information he had to his advantage to, like, build himself a nice life and, like, retire with a woman who he admired and loved. And he just wanted, you know, like, a nice, a nice, comfortable, rich person, oligarchical lifestyle. Which, like, I get that. I sympathize with that. Like, sure, I would, you know, eat him given the chance, but, um, and, like, not in a sexy way. Right. Um, <laughs> in a guillotine way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
He just wanted that uh, musk life, y'all. You know. Yeah, oh exactly. Yeah, and he wanted, <laughs> and you so, know, like, he wanted to prey on um, mentally ill people, and yeah, uh, uh, you yeah. know, mur- stalk some children, and <laughs> like he was cool. The alpha, yo. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but like I totally get why Mrs. Coulter doesn't see him as her equal, right? Because like she is not after a comfortable life. Like right. her ambition is an end itself whereas boreal's ambition was to get something else you know the only person who she sees as her equal is Azriel, whose goal is to murder god <laughs> right you know and i feel like this this episode and that death scene where she says you could never be my equal just like brings that home in such a clear and delightful way mm-hmm. yeah it, it's fabulous. She is thinking wistfully about Asriel as she's doing that as well. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, you can be my equal, but someone out there might be. Maybe. I did, I did think the Called sort Asriel. of cl- cliffhanger ending of this episode is interesting because I assume that in between this episode and next episode is where they were planning to put the Asriel episode. Mm-hmm. So we would have had oh, to yeah. wait that extra week to see what happens. I'm glad that there's no Asriel episode this season. I think, well, obviously that's more true to the book. And it mm-hmm. keeps the story focused on Will and Lyra, which I like. So, All right. Um, I have a few other things. I found that when Seraphina was holding the knife, it gave me serious uh, Galadriel feels from Lord of the Rings, where she gets the ring and she's just sitting there like, whoa, this is powerful. And it, we didn't quite go that far. Mm-hmm. But I definitely got that slight, that same slight feeling, especially because um, Seraphine is so fey, and not yeah. in, I don't mean fey as in like fair and looks like an elf. I mean it as in is a bit otherworldly, mm-hmm. yeah, and very very powerful. And then you you look at it and she, you can tell she's like this is quite something. We never mm-hmm. find out if somebody who is not the bearer can cut into another world mm-hmm. like yeah, whether in the books or anything we never really see if they physically can i'd be interested to know if they could i feel like no but i'd be interested i i think that probably what would happen is um it wouldn't go well for them could talk a little bit more about that in spoiler section okay yeah that's what i was gonna say i think we know what can happen if if someone is using the knife without the right connection to it uh we get some information about that in book three i see what you're saying i think the stuff with seraphina in this episode is the best seraphina stuff of this season where agree completely yeah Yeah. everything that she's doing in this episode is really good also like jamie childs is very as a director is very into Seraphina. <laughs> like you say, she's <laughs> Faye, but but I think that's has to do some with the camera work. There's never mm. a time where you're just like looking at Seraphina. It's always like cut to Seraphina and the camera slowly zooms in five inches on her face, even if she's not doing anything. It's just like mm. wah, like Seraphina, you know, like she just has <laughs> big energy. Noise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I did notice that, like, when she's holding the knife and she's just looking out the side of her eye at Will, and it's very kind of snake-like as well. 
and I think part of that is the lighting and the camera work. Mm-hmm. And she's great. The actress is great. Yes, yeah, she's absolutely fantastic. I was so impressed. I've been really impressed the whole way through with how she's played Serafina because she's made it, again, a bit more ethereal and almost animalistic in a manner. They feel less human, mm-hmm. but not less than human. And she finally had something to say that wasn't exposition, so... <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She wasn't. She was having them. a character interaction with someone that wasn't just like arguing with another witch about what they should do. Uh, I we've talked about this before. Why do they keep calling it the subtle knife? Because it's I never know, called it's that in terrible. the books. The title was come up with after the book had been written, which is why it's not mentioned in the books. Like, don't call it that. It's got a name, or just call it the knife, which is what they do in the books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that, that the name was arrived at after the book was written. Um, I really liked Lyra standing up to Will. So we see actually quite a large amount of character development of Lyra in this episode. or Not so much character development, but character exposition. In that we see Lyra going from competent adult-like character to Serafina arrives and she reverts back to wanting you know being a child and wanting some of that uh backup and that what should we do now please make some decisions for me i've been making decisions for myself for so long Mm -hmm. and then we see again that wills you know makes a uh, you know lashes out and says like now you're just using my health to stop for you that's it we're stopping no ask the ethiometer Ask how close my father is. There's no point getting you to your father if when we get you there, you're half dead. No, you're using me as an excuse to stop. I'm sorry. I I know you wouldn't use me as an excuse to stop. Apology accepted. And she just kind of gets up and looks at him. It's like, (laughs) the, the whole feeling is, you fucking what, mate? Excuse me. <laughs> Do you want to say that again, but quieter in somewhere else? <laughs> like I loved it, and it is again. It's the Lyra turning from this not subservient but very juvenile character into so much more of an adult. I'm glad that we're seeing that transition over time. They also had a, a small moment where the two of them sit not on the cliff edge, but like up against a cliff. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess yes. the opposite type of sitting. And they just said, they don't say anything, but he kind of smiles at her as yeah. though trying to reassure her that he feels 100% fine. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yes, that is exactly what you would do while you were slowly bleeding out and you <laughs> didn't want anybody to worry. Mm-hmm. You'd just be like, mm-hmm, I'm good. It's all right. It's all going well. <laughs> yeah. Totally got all my blood right now. And, and that bit was really good, too. <laughs> Absolutely. I completely agree. Uh, other things. Oh, I loved... So I was watching on iPlayer. That meant I actually got closed captions. I tend to enjoy watching things with closed captions um, because I find it easier to process and uh, kind of really get all the meaning out of it. I I don't know if it was actually in the whole thing, but definitely it was highlighted in the captions was when the alethiometer is finished with a reading, it went ding like a microwave. (laughs) 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 Killed me. (laughs) 
That is so funny. I have never noticed that before, but now I'm going to have to go back and listen for it. Yeah. I, don't I don't know if that happens in all of them, but definitely in that one. And it does. It goes ding. <laughs> Close. What? He's in this world. <laughs> put it put it in the alethiometer for five minutes, you know, stir it after two. <laughs> <laughs> um other things I loved. Um I liked Kaiser just being like, no, Seraphina, tell him the thing, he needs to know the thing. And she's like, oh, fine. Stop being so right. That's really interesting because it's like an internal yep. monologue, right? That's my yes. favorite thing when demons do that. I'm like, uh-huh. yes, I've had this conversation <laughs> with myself in my head. So <laughs> yes. that's wonderful. Yeah, I love, I love it. It's so, it's just lovely. It, 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 again, it gives them, it makes them feel like more of the same person. And as you said, that that voice in your head, which is going, no, you actually do need to get up now. Like, I know, it's dark outside, it's a horrible day, it's just <laughs> snowed 24 inches overnight, but you still need to get up because you've got responsibilities, son. Like, That's shit. one of the first things that we get in the entire series when there's like a snowstorm coming for Lord Asriel on a mountaintop, and his, I can never remember his demon's name, she's like, hey, we need to go. And he's like, I gotta take this picture, and she's like, you need to go. It's there's a snowstorm <laughs> yeah. coming. Like, but that's true in the book too. The first thing we get is a human arguing with a demon, but it's Lyra yes. and Pan saying like, and "We Pan. shouldn't be doing this." Yes, we should. Oh, yeah. It's so good. Mm. <laughs> like, I imagine if I had a demon, it would spend ninety percent of its time being like, "You know, you need to go to bed now." <laughs> like, you really need to go to bed now. Look, okay, it's actually five a.m. You really need to, like we need to go to bed now because I'm fucking tired. You're fucking tired because I'm fucking tired. Just go to bed. I'm like, no, one more video. Mine, mine would be the opposite. It would be you really have to get up now. You really have to get up now, like now, like I, I work in my home now and I have been late for work. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> One day I just got out of bed at 8.01 and I was like, what does anything even matter anymore? Great, uh, great. And <laughs> guess what? A question we all ask ourselves <laughs> yeah. these days. Yeah. Other bits. Boreal locking the door when Coulter's outside with the um, spectres. I just loved it because he's kind of like, you know, he's in love with her and he's like, oh, I want to show you all these great things. But he's also like, yeah, you're not worth that much, though. <laughs> I'm going to stay right here. <laughs> yeah. I, what I what I felt is that he was closing it like well, and that's that you know yeah, like yeah. She, that that door is literally closed I guess. <laughs> well, uh, we'll see how this one goes, but I'm gonna watch from here. Uh, final few things. I loved the triple lens terrace telescope. Like that was just cool. It it did look pretty cool. <laughs> we talked about the killing of Boreal being better here than in the books. Because it was better here than in the books, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, most um, things about Boreal were better here than in the books. Completely That's, agreed, yes. yeah. Yeah, and actually, I can't remember where I saw this, but I watched an interview where they were actually saying that, that basically um, when they cast Arya and Bakari as Boreal, 
it really changed the way that they saw the character and they began writing the the story um in the tv show for his particular version of boreal and yeah it that totally makes sense based on what we've seen um i think it was an excellent decision i love him so much yeah he's he's so good and i was just thinking back to when we first see him and how fucking awesome that was yeah like he's he's just stands up and then his uh then like this I swear, like, a big raven or something flies at the camera. It's something crazy like that. Because it's the master's demon coming into... Yeah. He's, like, kneeling in the church, and then the master's the the master's right. demon yes. is like, this is my church, yo. I'm I'm really sad that we won't be seeing him anymore. Like, that sucks. Yes. He's so, like, mm-hmm. I'm... Obviously, this is where he died in the book, so I'm not surprised. But he was so good. Now, also, like, thinking about it, just now... Um, the fact that Boreal is this young, fit black man in comparison to Charles Latrom, who for all intents and purposes is an old fat white guy. Mm-hmm. Um, like it gives the romantic or not, not romantic, but the, I suppose, romantic manipulation that Coulter puts on. It feels more interesting, I think just because he's a more attractive and interesting person. And so it feels like, ooh, actually, not will they, won't they, but, like, there's a certain amount of... Oh, it just feels less creepy and slimy. Mm-hmm. I think they have real chemistry, yeah, too. It it yeah, makes yeah. Uh, Boreal yeah. seem like less of an idiot. Like, you can see why he thinks he has a chance <laughs> <Yes>. with her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's making yeah, he's... a good proposition. It's just that yeah. she doesn't want it's it. Not good yeah. enough. I mean, like, no. 90%, uh, I feel like most people would have taken Boreal up on his offer of, like, being vaguely evil to live a comfortable life. Vaguely? Hell yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm just saying... <laughs> uh... <laughs> I love the two reactions there. Vaguely I was like, vaguely evil. evil. I'm like, yes, please. Well, I mean, <laughs> have you looked evil. at our world... Uh, Evil doesn't stop a lot of people. I, I guess when I say vaguely evil, I just mean that, like, the fact that he wasn't evil enough for Mrs. Coulter. I, he, it wasn't that he wasn't evil enough. He wasn't ambitious enough. Yeah. He was like, I just want the good life, and I'll do whatever it takes to get there. And she's like, I want to rule the universe. Yeah. <laughs> but Anya, I could fix him. I could make yeah, him yeah, 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 yeah. good again. <laughs> Different problem <laughs> in return for all of this money so yeah. i i don't know point of order i really do love that mrs coulter has these two warring bits where she's like i want to find out everything and rule the universe but also she's like but i want my fucking daughter too yeah yeah oh yeah, yeah. that's yeah, what makes yeah. her so Alan, interesting you said something yeah. in our mm. chat that i feel like we should this is a good place to talk about you think that mrs coulter is genuinely surprised by how much she actually cares about lyra in light of this episode i went back and like watched all of season one to try and be like i know the ending now right of like the i knew the book ending but i now i know the Mm -hmm. show's ending so like i wanted to see their relationship in light of that and what i noticed was that it seemed to me like Mrs. Coulter definitely is like organized and has her game plan. And when she meets Lyra, I think that it throws off her plans in a way that she is unconscious of. And by the end of episode two, like when she loses Lyra, 
I don't think she's prepared for how much she cares about Lyra. Like once she's gone and she starts, that's when she starts to make really bad decisions. Like she raids Jordan college, which pisses off the magisterium at her. She loses a lot of power constantly after that because she's doing things that like piss off the people who are above her and it's not helping her get her agenda done. Like she uses the spy flies. She raids Jordan college. Um, She starts to like use all of the resources of the oblation board to track Lyra down. And it, it ends with the oblation board collapsing and like the total failure of the oblation board is what happens eventually. And she loses all of her institutional power. And like, she has to make an ally out of McPhail. So I I think like all of it falls apart and it's because Lyra like throws her off track in a way that she was not prepared for emotionally. That's what, well, that's what I saw rewatch. I was surprised by that, but I feel like you could read it there in the writing. Like if it was, if they mapped out the first two seasons, cause they made them back to back. It could be that like her motivation, like she wants Lyra and that is part of her motivation, but she wasn't even aware of it until she's on that mountaintop with Asriel. And he's like, I'm going to go. And, and she's like, actually, when I think about it, I want Lyra more than I want this. Uh, I think that is exactly what they did. Cause I think I read an interview recently from, um, oh, I linked it in our chat. That one, uh, or was that though? I don't know. I've read a bunch of shit <laughs> from head writer, dude. <laughs> oh, Jack Thorne. It's Jack Thorne. Yeah. And he was talking about the bathtub scene in season one where, yeah, Mrs. Coulter gets to like wash her daughter's hair. Right. And how that affected her and how after that he inserted the scene where she herself just takes a bath and she's just sort of thinking about it and how it was like almost right there that you can see the change in her. When I went back, I was like, wow, they just really built that in in a subtle, emotional way, I think. Or maybe I'm sure other people saw this and they're like, yeah, Alan, I mean, it was it was that does kind of add a slightly different angle to her decision to murder Boreal too, right? Because she basically has room for one person to care about in her life. And that is now Lyra, mm. you know, and she's like, she's not even going to um, abandon Lyra for Asriel. So she sure as fuck is not going to team up with um, Boreal at the expense of her daughter, you know? <laughs> All of Boreal's actions are running interference between the Magisterium and Coulter without Mrs. Coulter asking him for that. He finds out from, like, Pavel that, you know, oh, she raided Jordan College. He just kind of offhandedly mentions it. And like, oh, man, she really fucked up now. Now we've got her so we can finally handle this problem of a woman being in charge of one of our departments. And he immediately starts to run interference and then blackmail him for like, I will expose what you are. You right, better start yeah, doing what yeah. I want. And yeah. it, he like is constantly protecting her in ways that she's not aware of. It's well written, in other words. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, I had two two final points, one of which was the spectre attack on the witch was a bit different here than in the books, which makes sense because uh, Boreal dying was a bit different as well and so like it it was fine it didn't 
particularly make any difference either way. Um, and when you have a balloon full of hot air or helium or hydrogen and then you shoot the gas canister, the helium and hydrogen or hot air doesn't suddenly get out of the balloon. And so it went down real fast for something which, yeah, you know, I completely agree. It it wasn't going to stay up forever, but it just couldn't go up anymore. <laughs> they needed it to look danger. You know, well, they, they should needed, have, should have they shot needed through the balloon, us then. to worry. I don't. Should have shot through the balloon, then. I don't disagree. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. It was just, it, it was something which, it, one of those tiny little things where you go, huh? What? Okay. And then carry on. <laughs> well, if you want to avoid spoilers, then now is the time to say goodbye. Otherwise, stick around after the outro. Next time, we'll be talking about the season two finale, Isahetra. Good enough. Wonderful. (laughs) If you like our show, please take some time to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Anya, and you can follow me on Twitter at Strangely Literal. That's Strangely, then L-I-T-E-R-L. I'm Caitlin, and you can follow me on Twitter at Inferior Caitlin. I'm Francis, and you can follow me on Twitter at Francis Windrum. Follow the show on Twitter at M-O-T-Pod. Need more than 280 characters to speak your mind? Send your emails to contact at hollowedgroundmedia.com. Everyone special! And now for some spoilers. And just before we get too into it, I just wanted to say that we've gotten some uh, spoilery talk on Twitter. And we we don't respond to spoiler talk on Twitter just because of how (laughs) we've decided to do our show. So just FYI, if you've asked us questions about book three or things to come or mentioned things um we're not going to respond to you on twitter and it's not because we're being rude it's just because we've decided that we're a non-spoilery show so i just it's not because to... we're rude we're rude and it this is independent yes of i'm not saying we're not rude i'm saying that's not why we're not responding to you <laughs> so i just wanted to throw that out there and somebody did uh remind me that what i said last week about will being a doctor is technically canon i suppose because it was in the special edition of the ember spyglass and the lantern slides that they put in so it was published yeah perfect right the only spoiler thing i had was we were mentioning earlier about what happens if you have the knife and you don't know how to use it or you're not concentrating or you're not trained and the answer is it breaks into a million fucking pieces i don't know if i necessarily agree with that because so many people seem to want it you know it Mm. i'm not saying I think it would work 100% for them. I'm saying it must... I, I'm saying I don't think it would break. I just don't think it would do it, to be know. honest. I think yeah. it would be like waving a knife in the air because you don't know how to use it. It decides on whether you get to use it properly or not. I think I feel like it has a certain amount of sapience. Yeah, same mm. with the like the alethiometer. That the makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. it's all powered by dust. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So we... Well, I didn't get too into the discussion because i wanted to talk about it in a spoilery way spoilery way but mrs coulter having that really intense wonderful fabulous moment where she suppresses her humanity i think is what they're gonna go for when she talks to metatron yeah in book three instead of because it is so hard to show in a show how how she's just a good liar but it how they you know made a point to show how the golden monkey looks and how this is all done mm. and how she's doing it. I mm-hmm. suspect 
that that is going to be revisited, and I like it a lot. Yes, yeah. and I hope it is as well, because I think it would explain, it would just do it very, very well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very elegant. Hmm. It's so good, because like, it's clearly like somehow related to dust given like everything that we know about demons and all of that stuff. And that, you know, these things would probably want to eat a demon if they could. And so like, it's almost like the monkey goes asleep almost. It's like in a trance because when she comes out of it after she's mastered them, it seems like the monkey kind of wakes up and is like, Oh, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I like that a lot. I really like it. And I, I like this foreshadowing for for him because there is, I think, a moment in the in the book where he like looks into her soul and all he finds is evil. And so I like this idea that she can hide her soul from him and 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 that they're setting it up so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's absolutely. Very good. They like it, they it, took a weakness yeah. from the book, which is yeah. that it's never really explained how Mrs. Coulter can control the specters. And they mm-hmm. turned it into a strength because it's like foreshadowing and making the climax even better. It makes me feel better about her controlling the specters also because the book implies that she like that it was fate, that it was part of the prophecy, I suppose, that she had this ability to be or that she was this evil so that she could have that moment that her whole life was going to that moment where she has to lie to Metatron. And so this idea that that is a, a power or whatever that she has and she can for that moment, but she can use it for these other things that she does. I like that a lot better than the shit that was in the book about her controlling specters. I'm hard on the show for a lot of things that they get wrong, but Mrs. Coulter has never really been one of them. They get her very, very right. And I appreciate that since I love her so much. Yeah, I mean, Will is definitely my favorite character in the books, but I do think in the show Mrs. Coulter is my favorite. And that has a lot to do with the writing and with Ruth Wilson, who's amazing. But so that is all, and we will see you all next week. And don't forget to suppress all that makes you human. Sorry, before we get started, I just want you all to know that after I said I'm hovering over the record button, with my mouse hand, I picked up my cup of tea, and that was really dumb. (laughs) But I got there in the end. Good. Look, I'm not allowed to call you an idiot on broadcast, but... (laughs) Yeah, I know. No, don't worry. I got there. Anyway, sorry. Um, One. Two. Three. Four. One. Two, yeah, the two, two is the thing. God damn it. <laughs> Four. <laughs> okay. Good. Good. Fuck yeah. That's a crossover I would pay good money for. That would be good. Francis, are you vaping while we record? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
don't know if that was a delay or if there was like a... <laughs> no, that was genuinely a delay. Okay, because there was like a very mm, pause in there. <laughs> was... No, I'm, uh, I'm running a bit of a delay here. It's <laughs> a guilty... It was comedy gold, though. Uh, it was like just right. <laughs> this... Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> The police are outside my house with uh, flashing lights, but it's uh, it's not about me. I think somebody's just dying, so it's okay. Um, uh, that happens all the time. <clears throat> Is it a child? No. Is there child-on-child child murder happening? Um, not that I know of. I, I appreciate that none of them, there's like, I'm not joking, there's like ambulances and fire trucks, and they all have their lights, they don't have their sirens, so good job. I appreciate the, oh, there we go, now they do. <laughs> that's just inconsiderate now so i don't know maybe maybe my pardon the, the jungle cruise I, it's a ride at disney it's definitely a thing okay, okay okay anyways right. which disney is this disney world or disneyland uh i i'm pretty sure i've been on it and both oh wow okay so i've never been to disney anything um okay go to go to france if they'll let you in at some point yeah yeah i'll, I'll tell you what i'll go get my visa apparently <laughs> we need that now sorry uh, not bitter just rubbing salt <laughs> in your wounds mm, um mm, love it <laughs> so <laughs> so <Wow>. okay <laughs> i have a so question good. for you guys yeah um murder Sorry. I don't think more that. <laughs> I think I do. he's just pretending, and that the even though the demon turned into dust, I think that he survives the Sarlacc pit because I just I just want him to come back. Just come back. I, I definitely think I definitely think they should force ghost him. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. He just turns oh up God. in dust. All right, I think that's everything other than our spoilers, so. Okay, I can do the thing. Uh, um, yeah. Actually, oh, I can't believe I have to say that word. Can you help me? <laughs> Somebody, Asita? Asita. Asita. Asita Hedra. Good. Four different, good. <laughs> yeah, four different. Say it how you want. Okay, so Francis. <laughs> You're not going to be wrong because it's made up Latin. Francis says Asita. <laughs> Uh, Kate says Isahetra. The show says Isahetra. Then I'm going to go with the show. Yeah, go with that. Okay. Might just disagree with the show. (laughs) It's Isahetra. Flat Midwestern. (laughs) (laughs) 